0: I was like, this is the dream job. This is so cool. Like, I went to Tanzania and hiked Kilimanjaro and I got paid to do it. I still can't believe that I can even say that. It's just such a rewarding and amazing opportunity.
1: This is the Seasonals Podcast, a show where we talk to people living the seasonal lifestyle. We take an in depth look at the decision points they've encountered along the way. I am here with Bethany Stivers. Bethany, how are we doing today?
0: I'm good, Joey. How are you?
1: I'm doing well. I'm doing really well today. It's been a good day. You're in Park City, Utah. Is that correct?
0: I am. Yes, I've been living here for a little over a year now.
1: So I, I've heard a little bit about the snow sports that go on there, but for those listeners that love skiing, snowboarding, etc., tell us a little about the conditions and uh you know sort of what park city looks like and feels like
0: well right now um we have a little bit of snow not as much snow as we've had um this time last year but i live um like a 10 minute walk from town lift um at park city uh ski resort and there's another ski resort called deer valley that's just up the road um so like two resorts right in town super close just really close proximity to the resorts. So I get to snowboard every day almost. Um, So it's really fun. Hopefully we'll get another storm soon. It's all pretty much man-made snow at this point, but still fun to go out there and cruise around in the sunshine.
1: Let me make sure I understand the scene. So you, you walk out of your house, snowboard in hand. You walk 10 minutes, you get on the lift, and then you snowboard the rest of the day. Like that's a thing you can do there.
0: Yeah. Definitely. And I actually, the coffee shop I work at is right across the street from town Lift that I just mentioned. So I can just right after work, go hop on the lift um, or just hop off the lift and just walk across the street and go to work. Um, So it's, it's a pretty nice life.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That sounds like a dream, dream town.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've enjoyed it. Um, I didn't think I was going to be here this long, but I really did fall in love with it. So I just decided to stay, and been really happy with the decision so far. So we'll see where life takes me next.
1: So tell me about the either the job that brought you there, or maybe um, in the last (laughs) season or two, pick a job that you've been doing up there, and tell me how that is.
0: Kind of what brought me out here was um, my friend Mike, which I met guiding. I guided with him my first summer with this company called Wilderness Adventures. It's a company that takes teens on mostly backpacking trips, and it's based out of Jackson Hole. We were co-leaders our, my first summer. I worked for the company, and we uh, became best friends ever since that first summer. And what he's been doing is he's been living in Park City in the winters and guiding for this company, Wilderness Adventures in the Summers, and I did a lot of other seasonal work after my first summer there, but um, my most recent summer with WA was the summer of 2019, and after that, I didn't really know what I wanted to do next. So Mike reached out to me and he was like, "Hey, why don't you come live in Park City for the winter?" There's a lot of other people that we work with um, in that company that live in Salt Lake, Park City area, so I would have a lot of friends here. Um, and he has just always raved about how much fun it is out here, how much, um, he gets to ski, things like that. He's like, you'll love it. So we found a house and I decided to move out here. Um, but I didn't want to come into a new town just without a job, uh, even though there's tons of jobs out here. So before I moved out, I applied for a job with backcountry.com, which is just a giant like online retail store that probably most of you are familiar with. Their like headquarters is in Salt Lake. So I applied to be what they call a gearhead, which is just like a customer service rep. And I started training, met a lot of awesome people doing that. Um, and then I just decided to do that part time because I didn't want to drive down in Salt Lake every day. And then I applied for the coffee shop that Mike has worked at the past few years and got the job. And did that full-time through last winter and then did backcountry.com just part-time. So I was definitely really busy, but it was a good way for me to make a lot of friends through working for Backcountry. Then I stopped doing the job at Backcountry beginning of February and just decided to do the barista job full-time because I wanted more time to go snowboarding. But then the resort shut down early because of covid but that's a whole nother thing so now i'm pretty much just a barista and still living in park city
1: and a full-time snowboarder
0: full-time snowboarder exactly
1: tell me about one of your favorite days you had working for uh, wilderness adventures
0: that's a tough question Uh, i've had a lot of great days probably the most magnificent day i had was the day that i climbed kilimanjaro with my students and um, we did a three-week trip to tanzania and we did tour in the serengeti and got to do some service projects with the kids the last part of the trip we Philly, um and so it takes like four days to hike up so on that fourth day when we did our summit it was like an all-day excursion and it was super epic. I mean, you're starting at 11 p.m. the night before, and you're hiking most of the time in the dark, and it's absolutely freezing. as cold as I've ever been, but it was awesome being able to stand on top of, you know, the roof of Africa with all my students, and uh, just seeing them accomplish that, and yeah, that was that was quite quite an experience. So that was probably the most epic day that I've had with
1: with Wilderness Adventures by far. What uh, training and preparation did you have to make for that trip? I mean, I know you're taking like, kids with you and, you know, you're you're basically in charge. So what's what's sort of the lead up to a, a trip like that?
0: As a trip leader, you know we have we have some time before we do like a two week staff training before, just to get everyone prepped um, and on the same page about all of the the protocols and how to do all the paperwork and contacting parents, things like that. Um, but then, like a few days before the trip, that's when we really start getting into trip specifics. We have like a trip binder that has all of our trip information on our itinerary, where we're going to go, um, the things that we're going to do. And So we didn't actually meet the kids until we we met them in the uh, JFK airport in New York. And from there, we just flew straight to Tanzania. Um, so we didn't have much time with them before we were just like in it and in the adventure. So yeah, we they had like a lot of questions about what we were going to be doing and stuff. So we kind of just went through itineraries and things and they had a lot of questions about actual climb of Kilimanjaro and we didn't know a ton a ton of like logistical details about that we met up with kind of a guide that was with us the whole time and once we sat down with him we got more information and we were able to answer more of their questions but yeah they were all definitely super excited and I could tell a little little nervous but once we were there and we piled into the jeeps and it was late at night and we were driving to our hotel there was just so much energy, and they were all excited, and we were just happy to be there after traveling for
1: so long. So the kids were asking you sort of what you were going to do, what was what was going to happen, what they should get excited about let's Let's say they asked you right now what was what was sort of your response I'm, um, I'm the kid asking, give me psych me out for this trip
0: <laughs> Yeah, well, this was a few years ago, but yeah, I mean, I basically just hyped it up as that this trip was going to be a really cool cultural experience that we were going to get to work with the local community and be able to kind of experience what it's like to live there and to speak a different language and just see how they do life and also get them excited for this giant mountain that we are going to climb, like the journey of what they were going to learn and accomplish on the trip and learn about themselves and how they were gonna grow as a person just through the course of the whole trip. You know, it wasn't just about like climbing to the top of the mountain. It was like how they were gonna grow as a person and you know how their eyes were going to open to you know a different perspective or a different culture or just how they were gonna how they were going to grow as a, a person,
1: I guess. Yeah. Can you give me some specific examples that you saw of that going on during the trip?
0: Yeah. So our kids overall, they weren't like, I wouldn't say they were exemplary students. They definitely were good kids. None of them had like bad behavior. We didn't have bad behavior issues. But, you know, when we first met them in the first few days, we kind of could tell that it was kind of a bunch of. I don't know. It kind of seems harsh to say average students, but they just didn't seem like above and beyond. So I was like, okay, I want to change that. And so kind of over the course of the journey, we really saw them grow and get pushed out of their comfort zones. Like even in the sense of something so small, like we had chefs that would cook us food every night. It was honestly like the biggest struggle with this group to get them to just eat food and we were just trying to teach them that it's really disrespectful if you don't like eat food that's prepared for you and things like that. And they did prepare a lot of food, but <laughs> me and my co were just trying to eat as much food as possible. But um, yeah, over the course of that time, like we saw them trying different foods and like eating more food on the trip and just like stepping up and, you know, being more confident and asking questions to the local guide. and. I don't know. Trying to speak in Swahili, which is a very difficult language, but it was really cool to see that effort um, from them in a foreign country. So yeah, it was kind of more little ways where they started to shine. But I think it deep down, it like it meant a lot to them, and that stuff was like hard, hard for them to do at the time.
1: Yeah, it sounds sort of like a. Late nineties um, montage. You know the kids are little shits, and then you know you get them whipped into shape, and they start doing better. And then by the end, they're they're doing great.
0: Exactly. Until they confess to you at the end of the trip that when we weren't looking, me and my co, they would just dump their soup onto the ground and pretend like they ate it. So you know, you win some, you lose some.
1: Oh no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's all good.
1: <laughs> yeah. We did our best. <laughs> so that's the that's sort of the baseline when it came to the, the culture experience. How did they do with the actual climb?
0: For the most part, they did well. Um, we actually had to split our group into two groups because we had one student in particular that um, was just having some trouble on the, the hike physically in the days leading up to that summit day. And so the guide pulled me aside and said, hey, we think that one of you should go an hour earlier with this one student who was hiking slower just because they wanted to make sure that um, she got to the top in time because there's kind of like a time window of when you want to get to the top. You want to get summit early um, in case there's any storms. So I decided to hike with her and another student, one of her friends, decided to hike with her. So the three of us and some and guides came with us early and we started the hike in the dark and with our headlamps and within a few hours of us hiking I look down and I see a snake of headlamps below us and I was like oh that's got that's got to be like the rest of my group Mike my co and the rest of the six students and it sure was they passed us pretty quick so I was confident that they were all going to reach the top. I was a little worried about our group, but I just tried to be as encouraging and as positive as I could. And so, but we ended up making it to, so Kilimanjaro actually means three peaks. So there's three little summits and the names escape me cause they're very, they're kind of complex. I don't even know if I know how to pronounce them correctly, but we get to the first summit and that's when the one of the students that was struggling decided that she didn't want to keep going, but I was with another student, and she wanted to keep pushing and, and go to the top. So one of the porters decided to turn around and go back down with her, and I kept going with um, the other student, and we both ended up making it to the top. And but then we saw the rest of um, Mike and all of the other um, students in the group. They had summited before us and they passed us on their way back down so they all made it. Um, and they all seemed to do really well. They you know seemed tired and, and fatigued as they should, but yeah they all made it and yeah me and, and this other student made it to the top. but the the girl that had to turn around she still was like really stoked that she just made it up there. you know she didn't make it to the very very highest point where you see all of the, the iconic photos of people on Kilimanjaro but she was really proud of of even just being at that point all the way up there. Um so overall it was a success. I mean I would have liked to summit with the whole group to have that that group picture and um feel all that energy but honestly it's okay, you know. You have to be flexible and I'm just glad we were able to get everyone up there.
1: Yeah. I'm sure you've dealt with a lot of situations being a guide like that how did you approach it when she said that she was, she was done? She didn't want to go up anymore.
0: First of all, just wanted to make sure that she was okay with going back down, um, that she like felt comfortable and that she was like feeling well physically. Um, I wouldn't have felt comfortable letting her go down with the guide. If I didn't think that she was in a good, like physical health or something was wrong, but she was in good spirits and she felt okay. And I could honestly just see how joyful she was that she made it up there. But then I could also see how like straight up done she was. (laughs) She was like, "Get, get me off this mountain. Like, this is cool, but like, I'm so tired. I'm so dead. I'm done. And, you know, we were all just super, you know, we were just celebrating her in that moment of um, her accomplishments and her personal goal, and, and she was able to meet that. And so we were all just celebrating that. And um, so it was a good moment, and she had a good mindset. And so um, I felt like I felt good about it as a leader, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Was there, once you summoned and it got back to camp, was there sort of a celebration, or was it more everybody was just kind of dead?
0: <laughs> um definitely everyone was dead. Um so most most of the group they had made it back to camp before um me and the other student that summited after them. When me and that student when we got back, there wasn't any sort of like downtime or anything. We had to just like pack up camp and like just keep pushing on down. Um so that was kind of disheartening cuz I was like absolutely dead, but definitely there was definitely a lot of, of cheering, a lot of excitement, a lot of energy from everyone. You know, we have a big group with just, you know, my group with the students and my co, but then a whole team of porters that were there and, and we're celebrating. So, yeah, it was a good time, but what a blur because we just, I like laid down for one second. My co like hands me a bunch of ibuprofen, water and then he's like all right let's get up and go we got to keep moving I was like oh my gosh okay let's do this let's rally but no it was a good time
1: on a trip like that where you've got like the group of kids and you've got sort of the leaders what uh what was kind of like your getaway once the kids were asleep or you know once you weren't in their faces and you sort of was was it maybe like a a treat or sort of like a conversation or something else. Like what was your sort of go-to to kind of get out of that kind of unwind from being around the kids?
0: Um, that's super important just to kind of like stay sane. Cause you're around kids so much. You are like, okay, I need some time like away from them to kind of just rejuvenate and um, just kind of debrief with your co. Um, so while we were hiking, we, you know, we, me and Mike, my co we'd share a tent. And so we loved having those like pillow talk conversations of just debriefing, um, about the day. And I love those moments. Cause we just would get to reflect on, um, you know, all of the students and we'd talk about if we were concerned about anyone and what we can do better the next day and just laugh and remember things that happened. And, you know, and then when we weren't hiking, we were away at a, another camp and there was a little canteen area. So we'd go get like soda and we'd, we have a lot of paperwork we have to do. So we'd go away from the kids. they would be over in the tents and we just like do our paperwork and, and chat. But, um, but yeah, we loved those times. And, and I'm really thankful that I ended up being, becoming best friends with my co definitely makes guiding, a lot easier when you really connect with someone and you really enjoy hanging out with them and creating memories and laughing and having a good time. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. I I bet. There are definitely some people I would not want to share that job with that (laughs) I'm also friends with. (laughs) Right.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It takes a special person for sure.
1: Yeah. Complementary person, symbiosis, all of that needs to be there yeah so yeah I mean you've gone you've done two seasons as as the the lead there um and I guess when I asked this question like include you know any any of the trips you've been on but now knowing that um you have a lot of like experience in the outdoor and being on trips and sort of those experiences what are do you have any like wild animal stories or like emergency stories that you could talk about?
0: Ooh, this is a fun question. I wish that I had wild animal stories. My first summer guiding, my like one of my goals was that I wanted to see a bear. And we on our, on our second trip, our first trip was the one to Tanzania, which I talked about a little bit. But our second trip, we backpacked through the Tetons. And it's like grizzly country. So I was like, okay, we're for sure gonna see a bear. Never did. So I haven't really encountered much dangerous wildlife while guiding, which I guess could be a good thing, but have encountered some crazy situations um, that could have ended bad, but didn't. Um, So my second summer I was guiding, we led a three week trip kind of all over. Started in Wyoming, went through Montana and Idaho. We were rafting, backpacking in different places. One of our backpacking trips was up in the Beartooth Wilderness in Montana, which is has become like one of my favorite wilderness areas. It is spectacular. Montana is amazing. And we were doing, I think it was about like a five day trip. And I'm not sure what day of the trip this was, a few days in probably, we are just following the path on the map and a lot of the trails in the Tooth that are established aren't on the maps, like the maps haven't been updated. So here we are trying to follow the trail on the map that we were provided and the trail on the map isn't actually a trail that exists in real life. And so the trail said that it was supposed to go like kind of straight up the side of this like hill. And so we start going up and we're kind of scrambling through some boulders. And I'm looking around to see if there's any indication that there's a trail, that this is the right way. And couldn't see any karens. And we go up quite a bit because, I mean, that's where the trail set on the map. So, we kept going, and we kind of get to somewhat of a high point, and I stop and I look around, and I'm like not seeing any trail anywhere, and start to get a little concerned. Um, I didn't want to go all the way back down because then I wasn't sure if we'd have to come all the way back up, didn't want to lose that ground. Um, yeah, we for the most part were lost in a sense, and yeah, we weren't really sure where where the trail was and where we're supposed to go. So I ended up having to like call the office through the sat phone. The guy who I was talking to in the office, he was like, well, I can't really see what you're seeing. um, But I I trust your knowledge and I know that you will get to the campsite. Just do your best is basically what he said. (laughs) And so, yeah, that was like a little unnerving, but also... Kind of motivating. I was like, all right, he trusts me. He's not worried. I'm not worried. We got this. So we end up kind of bushwhacking, just like set a bearing. Like, I know I need to go in this general direction. And we kind of bushwhacked. And there were definitely spots that were a little sketch. Like, these kids have big, heavy backpacks on their back. And we were going across kind of steep hills with like kind of loose rock. And uh, six like sections where we'd have to like spot the kids over areas, you know, Um, but we made it work. We got to camp safe. (laughs) But then when we got to kind of the area where we decided we were going to probably set up camp, uh, a thunderstorm rolls in, just our luck. (laughs) And we're kind of high up. I don't know what elevation we're at. We're pretty high up. We're up there. And yeah, it rolls in fast. So we kind of get through this little marshy area, and we're like, okay, we'll just get across there. We'll camp on the other side. Didn't even didn't even even have time to like set up camp or anything. This thunderstorm is like on top of us. It came in so fast. And so we, and we had like briefed the kids before and like taught them of like what to do when there's lightning and things. And we had taught them lightning position. So we tell them to kind of like scatter through the trees and to get into lightning position. And it's just torrential downpour. And I swear lightning strikes probably like 20 yards away from where we are. It was It was a lot. It was really intense. And I was like, in that moment, I was like, something really bad could happen. You know, someone could seriously get hurt if, if we get, someone gets struck by lightning or anything like that. And thankfully, you know, nothing did happen. Um, No one was hurt. Things, you know, the kids, some of the kids were a little rattled, a little upset after that, but yeah, thankfully, you know, no injuries and, I think all the kids grew a lot from that experience going through that, that scary moment and like coming out on the other end. Okay.
1: What was the age range for the kids?
0: These were high school seniors. Well, they were going into their senior year. Gotcha. Yeah. So they were older.
1: That sounds like a full day.
0: It was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but it makes for a good story now, so. <laughs>
1: yeah, of course. Yeah, and the guy in the office was confident you could do it. Everything was going to yeah. turn out all
0: right. <laughs> Yeah, not all really right. sure what to tell you, but uh, you got it, champ. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, that was the encouragement the... I needed.
1: <laughs> right, oh yeah, it comes in those moments, right? <laughs>
0: yeah, for real.
1: What does the job description look like for, for that job? Say when you're looking at, you know, it on a website or somebody's pitching it to you, what what are the words that you read or hear? And you know, that kind of sums up what you did and what your duties were.
0: Yeah. So the job title is Trip Leader. And so you're basically responsible for leading a group of teenagers for, you know, about like two to three weeks. And you do everything. You are their guide. You are um their chef, their nurse, their parent at some points. You're everything. And so you have all of these all of these duties. But yeah, essentially your role is to kind of just mentor them over the few like weeks that you're with them. And yeah, just be with them while they're doing these crazy adventures, allowing them to have a space to be a leader and to grow and to reflect on what they're going through and what they're experiencing and to just push kids outside their comfort zones and just be alongside them through all of that.
1: Some things that stick out in that you mentioned, you know, mentoring them and giving them the chance to be a leader themselves is there a story or a particular student that sticks out when you when you think about that
0: I've had a lot of really awesome students that I've gotten to work with lots of great leaders which is really cool and lots of different situations where you see kids come into it and they're kind of timid and not as confident And then you really see them grow and become more confident. And, and as I'm speaking out loud and like externally processing, I think of this one kid, Aiden, um, he was on our Teton Crest trip when we through hiked the Teton Crest trail in Wyoming, and we decided to do it in seven days. Most people take like two to three. Um, but on that trip, it was. All kids that had never been backpacking before. And Aiden was one of those kids, and his flight ended up getting delayed, and I had to go pick him up from the airport, just me, because he was an unaccompanied minor. And I get there and I I go to someone that works at the airport, and I'm like, I'm here to pick up one of my students. And I, I see a kid behind the counter, and I'm like, that's for sure not him. Like, that kid looks 10. And it ended up being him like he was my kid. You know, these are <laughs> he, these are like high schoolers. And I was like, no way. He, this kid was so tiny that I, I didn't think he was in my group, but he was. So this kid's tiny. And we decided to go on this backpacking trip. And the backpack is like bigger than him. We called him like the backpack with legs because from behind, like all you could see was the backpack. And it was just his legs like sticking out from underneath. <laughs> and like he was so timid. He like didn't talk to any of the kids the first night. Like so shy. Um and like was really struggling like the first few days of this backpacking trip. Just like complaining and like this pack was bigger than him, so heavy. But then like as the backpacking trip progressed, he really started to become comfortable with the kids, the other kids in the group. And he has like a he had a really big interest in animals and wildlife and he really started to shine in that like he'd get into the the guides and he'd teach other kids about it and he became kind of like the group like class clown I guess so he'd make the other kids laugh and then he really started to bond with them and really like he became kind of the hype squad like the hype man of the squad um there were definitely hard days in that in that backpacking trip, but towards the end, he was the one that was like, come on, guys, like we can do it. And he'd like charge up ahead and be like the first one and like lead the group through hard days and hard times. And I was like, look at this kid. I don't even, re- I don't even recognize him anymore. He's like a whole new, whole new guy. So that was, that's a fun story to tell. He was a cool
1: kid. You found, you found the man behind the backpack, basically.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Now, when you have something like that, are are the other kids sort of seeing that transformation as well and they play off that?
0: Oh, yeah. So some of my favorite moments and my favorite part about being a trip leader is being able to have discussions at the end of the day. We have our, we call them evening circles. Where we just like sit in a circle and we, we have different like discussion questions and whatever. But that's the time when we really get to see growth from the students. We get to hear them share their experience and how their day was and just how, they, how they've grown. And then it's cool to see other students encourage one another. And they'll see things in other, other students. And that's really cool. Um, Because it really just brings everyone together when they get to that point. So we definitely had um, like circle conversations where students were encouraging Aiden and being like, yeah, we have we have seen you come so far. And we're just like really proud of this transformation. And we think it's really cool that you are comfortable being yourself around us and things like that, you know, along those lines. So it's really cool. It's really comforting to see See that happen, and see other students recognize that, and just develop into a really like co- cohesive team. And those discussion discussions really like bring that out.
1: So it's really cool. So you're a badass guide. You snowboard like every day in Park City. You live and work, you know, within steps of the the lift. That's, that's what life is now. Tell me, tell me how you got to this point. Let's, let's go from the beginning. How did, how did this whole thing kick off?
0: Back to the beginning. So I like, I think my story starts primarily after I graduated college. That's really when my life, especially in the outdoor industry, the seasonal lifestyle, that's when it really took off. So I went to school in Colorado. And I was studying biology, and I thought I wanted to be a vet. Then I became really antsy for a world outside. I wanted to get outside, I wanted to play outside. I didn't want more school. I was like, "Screw that. I don't want to sit behind four walls and do not like just stare at a lecture screen so i was decided I wanted to be done with school after I graduated, and I had signed up for. Um, a Knowles course. Knowles is National Outdoor Leadership School. And I needed a few more credits after I graduated. And I was able to get those through this course. But it was an outdoor educator course in Lander, Wyoming, which is where their headquarters is. And it was almost 30 days of backpacking and rock climbing and at that point i actually had never been backpacking ever in my life and so i just went full send and jumped right into it and was like i'm going to go backpacking for a month <laughs> so i did this trip and it absolutely changed my life i spent you know 3 weeks in the wilderness backpacking for the first time with three amazing instructors and nine other students in magnificent Wyoming. Like I grew up in Colorado and I thought Colorado was pretty spectacular, which it is, but man, I had never been to Wyoming and, and seen other just amazing mountains like that. And so that was, that was really cool. But yeah, that trip changed my life. I, after that wanted to become like one of my Knowles instructors I basically wanted to have the same impact they had on me on other people. And after that, I was really motivated to pursue that. Um, But I couldn't afford to do the Knowles instructor program. If you want to work for Knowles and be an instructor, you have to take a Knowles instructor course. And, you know, being fresh out of college, I just couldn't afford to jump right into that. If I could, I probably would have. So I was like, I have my whole life to become a NOLS instructor. I'll just do other things in the meantime, gain more experience, gain more experiences. And then maybe I can come back to that. So after that course, I found on online, some website of this outdoor education school in California called Pali. So I applied for that and got the job and was super stoked about that. And so I moved to California and did that for two seasons, a fall and a spring. And that stretched me a lot. That was the first time I had, you know, taught anyone in a classroom. Then after that, that's when the summer after that, I went to Wilderness Adventures. Um, but I didn't. The reason why I knew about Wilderness Adventures is because one of my coworkers at Pali had a friend that had worked for that company before and so he told us all about it and that's how I knew about it so I applied for Wilderness Adventures and got the job also super stoked about that then I, yeah I did that for the summer and then after that I didn't really know where I was going to go I came back after the summer and actually was going to take a trip to Alaska and just kind of figure it out, but there were some wildfires, and I had to cancel my trip. but then I was googling actually, I was on the Knowles has like an alumni job network, and I was trying to find a job that started later in the fall. A lot of fall seasonal jobs start earlier in like August um, so I wanted something that started later in like end of september, so i I refined my search, and I found a job that started in September. It's called Asia Pacific adventure clicked on it. I was like, Whoa, Hong Kong. Okay. This is far-fetched, but you know, as a seasonal worker, you kind of get used to the whole shotgun approach of just applying for hundreds of jobs. So I just like, it was like an email and I just sent my resume in and cover letter. Didn't expect to get an email back because most of the time you don't, (laughs) but got an email back before I knew it. I was having like multiple Like Skype calls with people that were in Hong Kong and they were like, so do you want the job? And I was like, I said yes. And then I didn't realize that I had committed to going to move and work in Hong Kong until after I'd said yes. And I was like, wait, what did I just do? So that was crazy. I (laughs) moved to Hong Kong. (laughs) I was like, oh my gosh, I'm doing this. Okay. So yeah, moved to Hong Kong, lived there for a fall season, like four months. Then had no idea what I was going to do when I came back. actually was in um in some financial troubles, <laughs> just because uh, I got paid in uh like Hong Kong dollars all in checks, and I wasn't actually able to get that money until like probably five months after I'd come back to the states because I had to like mail them all in and like wait for them to get like authorized by my bank it was a headache and I was like living off my savings while I was in Hong Kong, just kind of a lot. So I came back home and I was like, okay, I don't know what to do. I like have no money. Um, and I found this outdoor ed place that was really close to where I grew up, like 45 minutes from where I grew up in Colorado and kind of similar to what Pali was. It was like an outdoor science school type deal, like pretty similar curriculum and things um so decided to work there uh first spring as an outdoor educator um then went back to wilderness adventures the following summer then i came to park city after that i didn't know what i wanted to do after that second summer but i kind of knew that i wanted to take a break from like living and working with kids year round it's really not sustainable for me um, to do that, so yeah, I was like, okay, I'll live in Park City and kind of just be a ski bum for a winter. And always wanted to do that, save a little bit of money, and now I'm here. <laughs> it's kind of a lot, but
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a good journey. I'm gonna I'm gonna dip back and ask you some some questions about all that. So Thanks. you're fresh out of college and you had never backpacked before, and you found this. Knowles program and you decided to do it give me give me a little more there what did you hear about it what what made you jump on it like what give me some more details on that decision
0: I had kind of gotten a lot of encouragement from my uncle to do this Knowles course I had like heard of Knowles before just because it's a similar program to outward bound and like my dad and my uncle like Participated in Outward Bound when they were kids, but yeah, my uncle kind of pursued an outdoorsy seasonal type lifestyle after college, and he was like, "You should do a Knowles course; it'll change your life." Um, so I started looking into it, and once I kind of thought I wanted to maybe be an outdoor educator, I was like, "Oh, they have an actual like outdoor educator course. Like this is perfect. This is going to be the right experience that I need." Um, and so, yeah, I looked into it, and I, I mean, every time I went on their website, I would just my heart would race. I'd get so excited just seeing all the trips that they had and all the adventures they go on, the places they go. Uh, just really cool. I became obsessed with this company and what they did. So, yeah, that my last semester of college that spring was. I basically signed up and it got accepted into the course like over Christmas break before my last semester. And then that last semester was like the best, hardest semester of my life. So I I played soccer in college and that's in the fall. And so all of my spring semesters were like really heavy workloads. So this was like the heaviest workload right before I'm graduating. Um, This was also like the first time I wasn't doing soccer. So I could like have a social life and go out to the bars on Thursday nights and whatever, hang out with my friends. And I was also at the same time, got a job at a bar and was just grinding to try to save up for this trip. But that's kind of what motivated me. Um, I would like save up all my tip money and just like put it in a jar and like keep it in my, like in my dresser. And then I would like, you know, come home and like count my money. And then I'd go to REI and I'd walk around and I had this whole checklist of all the gear you needed for this trip. And I had pretty much nothing. And so I'd like walk around with my checklist and see like, okay, what do I need to get? And I'd save up and all the people at REI, like they knew me because I'd go in so, so often and I would buy all this gear with cash and mostly ones. And so they like, they knew me pretty well, but it was really cool. It was a really cool experience of, yeah, just having something to work hard towards. And um, I think I've, Gone way off topic of what you originally asked. But yeah, that was like my mindset going into it was just like I was super excited and motivated. And it felt good to like work hard for that and like earn money and like get the gear. And just the anticipation was like it was through the roof.
1: Yeah. And you set goals, you reached them, you achieved it, you saw it sort of progressing along the path that you had put down for yourself. Yeah. Exactly so you knew you wanted to be sort of an outdoor guide before you even went on the Knowles course, you said, and I'm sure some of that is from your uncle and from your dad, but is there is there maybe a a specific event or maybe something you did as a kid or growing up that that got you to that point that you I mean you had never backpacked before, and you had already, you already knew that you wanted to do this thing later like what what was sort of the impetus for that?
0: Um, I don't know if there was kind of like a defining, you know, light bulb going off in my head kind of moment about it. But yeah, I mean, I grew up going camping and spending time in the outdoors with my family, going on hikes, and I would go to summer camp as a kid. I never did like trips, like backpacking trips or like long extended trips in the wilderness. They were just, you know, typical summer camp where you go and stay in cabins kind of thing. Um, and so, yeah, I had all of that kind of outdoor experience growing up. But then, yeah, once I got to college, I, you know, realized that I didn't want to keep doing more school. I realized vet school is really competitive and I, I didn't want to have to pay for it. It was a lot of money. I met so many really cool people. Like, I went to school in Fort Collins, and there's a lot of outdoor enthusiasts that live in Fort Collins. It's really close to the foothills, so there's like some mountain biking, there's rock climbing. And I met a lot of friends that were involved in outdoor things, and I was like, okay, this is a really cool lifestyle. I was like, I kind of want to keep doing this after, after I'm done. And I didn't have like a ton, of ton of time to spend in the outdoors in college. Um, being a student athlete, like really took up a lot of my time. Um, but yeah, once I started looking into these courses more, I was like, this is a really cool kind of career path that I could get myself into. But then I was like, I have zero experience. So what do I do? <laughs> so yeah, that's how, that's how I kind of came around to deciding to do the Knowles course and kind of deciding that I wanted to kind of work in the outdoors and not go to med school. Like what seemed like everyone else in my major was doing, which is good for them. But yeah, it was kind of weird to be in that situation, but I was excited about it. I was like, I'm going into the wilderness after I graduate. That's what I'm doing.
1: (laughs) So then tell me about the transition from, Noles to Pali and also sort of a bit about the organization?
0: So I had a, a month or so after I'd camp, come back from the trip and I was just still at home and kind of trying to pack in and get ready to move. I going into Pali was definitely nervous. I it felt like I was underqualified for it <laughs> to be honest because they kind of sold it as you know, strictly like, you know, outdoor education position. I, I was on their website and looked at a bunch of their curriculum and the things that they taught and provided for the students that would come on these um, trips. And a lot of it was, I mean, pretty much the whole, like what the job is, is you're teaching, you're teaching kids like in a classroom and then, you know, also outside. But I had never like taught before. I don't have any teaching credentials or like teaching experience really. I mean, so I was for sure nervous and was like, I don't know, I feel underqualified. Like, did I oversell myself in the interview? Like, I don't know if you've ever been in that position where you're like, oh shoot, like (laughs) might have talked myself up a little bit too much, kind of thing. But yeah, I mean once I got there, just flooded with, you know, there's probably staff of like sixty other people that are like kind of my age, maybe some that are like older but all just, you know, awesome people excited to be there, love kids, love being in the outdoors. And I was like, this is awesome. I belong. (laughs) It's so cool to be surrounded by so many people who are doing something that is like, you know, similar to you and kind of on the same like similar like career path. So that was that was really cool. Like initially, as soon as I got there, and I was definitely nervous to teach my first class. I don't remember what class it was I'm trying to think back but it was a lot I grew a lot being there though so this place is uh it's a camp for um kids will come with their class so from their school so they'll be like other oh, like whole fifth grade class from the school they'll come up in buses and um, they'll stay in cabins and we t- we teach them various classes throughout the day and they do like Uh, whatever their teachers want to sign them up for so some schools come and want to do more like we're teaching them like geology and engineering and and all the science classes and then other trips are kind of more like ropes courses and like art and nature and things like that um but yeah there's a big variety of of classes that we teach like science leadership and and then like ropes courses zip line activities um but then yeah Sometimes you'd have to live in cabin with the kids all week, um, which is a lot. You have like one hour of not being around kids like every day. <laughs> so yeah, it was tiring, but uh, yeah, I learned a lot, grew a lot. It was like, you know taking care of kids really makes you work
1: super hard. <laughs> was there a, a day or maybe a specific, like story that you're thinking of when you, when you sort of describe going through all this that can kind of sum up what it was like to work there?
0: I mean, I would, I kind of want to share just like a day that was one of the better days or, you know, one of the better moments, things that kind of reminded me of why I do what I do. <laughs> you like need to search for those moments when you're working and living with kids for so long. Cause you're like, It's like the same classes every week, but different kids. And you're like, just kind of get, you get bogged down. Um, But whenever, so most of these schools would be coming from like L.A. Because it was up in near Big Bear up in the San Bernardino Mountains. And so most of the schools were coming from L.A., some of them from Vegas. So sometimes these kids, um, like their backgrounds, they just had never seen snow before. And so they'd come up to Pali and like there was one day in particular that I remember it snow, it started snowing a bunch and we were kind of in a transition period. So we were kind of on the back patio area and the kids were just absolutely just running around going crazy in like cotton sweatshirts and jeans, no gloves, just picking up the snow, like throwing it around having like such a blast and I was like wow like this is so wholesome and so cool and I was like this is why I do what I do so I can like be a part of like these experience, these cool like first time experiences with these kids and having them have like really cool nature moments um, that could hopefully <laughs> change their life. I don't know if it really affected them much but yeah, that was that was always cool. It was moments like that that like kept me going
1: for sure. So then from Pali you you went into Wilderness Adventures. What was the transition like there and and sort of who and how did they they get you into that job?
0: So I had heard about this job from a coworker at Pali. And based on what Like the job description was, you know, trip leader, guiding, leading kids in the backcountry, things like that. Again, as I was applying, felt a little underqualified. Maybe I don't know. Nervous for sure. I didn't. I like. It was a job that I really, really, really wanted, and I was really excited, like for the position. And I was like interviewing, was doing like Skype interviews, and. I was just like, it was like all my energy and time. Like this job application was so long, like so many questions about all of my experience levels with different sports, just questions about me as a person, as a leader, things like that. This job application took forever, especially since, you know, being at Pali, I didn't really have any personal time. So was taking any tiny bit that I had to like work on this job application. So I put like all my time and energy into applying for this job. So I was really, really just hoping I would get it. And then, yeah, I was absolutely stoked when I got the job and I didn't find out what trips I got right away. I had to kind of wait until later. And I was really anxious to see where they were going to place me. You kind of get preference on like where you want to go or what age group. Um, but it's, there's so many trips, there's like a hundred or so, um, all over the country and the world. And then also I was anxious to see who I was going to get as my co. Um, cause you know, you spend like your whole summer with them. So you're like, Oh, I hope they're, hope they're cool. I hope I'm going to be friends with them. So yeah, there was a lot of excitement going into that job. And then, yeah, honestly just, you know, packed up everything from, from California and drove all the way back to Colorado, kind of repacked and then, yeah, flew, flew out (laughs) Out to Jackson.
1: I mean, what were some of the things that you had heard or knew about this job that made you want it so bad that you were sort of looking forward to? I
0: think I wanted it so bad because it kind of was a similar role that that would be like similar to a Knowles instructor. Wilderness Adventures is, and they even describe themselves as like similar to Knowles, but more huggy. <laughs> so like less like crazy, like technical wilderness stuff, survival, and kind of more like huggy, like relationships and and learning about ourselves and growing and things like that. But yeah, like looking back, I was like, okay, this is like a kind of a first step into potentially being like this wilderness Knowles instructor that I, I want to be. And it was something that definitely like scared me. I was like, oh, am I qualified? Like, can I do this? And that kind of made me want it more. I was like, I want to do things that make me uncomfortable because that's how I know that I'm going to grow and get better. You know, I don't always want to stay in my comfort zone. And so that job, definitely was gonna push me outside my comfort zone, give me a lot more responsibilities um, that I've I've never had to, you know, kind of take on before in a job, especially working with kids. Like this is a lot more responsibility than being an outdoor educator. But then also it was just so exciting because I was looking at all the trips on their website and there's just so many opportunities in this company to go so many places all over the world. And all over the country and do things that I, like being kind of fresh out of college, wouldn't, you know, have the money to go do and see and things like that. And so I was like, this is also going to be a cool way for me to get more experience doing cool adventures and seeing cool places around the world, but also get paid to do it. I was like, this is the dream job. This is so cool. Like I went to Tanzania and hiked Kilimanjaro and I got paid to do it. I still can't believe that I can even say that. It's just such a rewarding and amazing opportunity. Um, and uh, yeah, so I was just, there are so many things that was like, this job is like, at the, at that time, I was like, this job is the dream job. This is cool. This is the next step.
1: Yeah, you get to do all this cool stuff and get paid while you're doing it. And other people are paying for this trip that you're in charge of.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: It's the best. And you know, you don't
0: get paid, you don't get paid like tons. You know, I'm not rich by being a trip leader, but if you think about all of the places I have gotten to go and things I've gotten to do, you know, it kind of all adds up and makes it like a really worthwhile experience all around.
1: So the the Hong Kong episode, you were a little murky on what, what was your, your job there? How did, like, how did you find out about it and want to do that?
0: Yeah. So I didn't even, I just mentioned the company, it was called Asia Pacific adventure. I found it on the Knowles alumni job network, which is a service they provide for people who are alumni of Knowles trips. Um, it's just basically job job lists of all outdoor jobs, like all over the world in the country. Really cool resource. So I found that job on there. And again, the application was just me emailing some email, my cover letter and resume. Didn't think I was going to get a response back, but I did. Um, and this job was leading trips for kids from international schools in Hong Kong. Um, and we weren't like taking them on multi-day backpack, backcountry trips. Um, It was all, we'd camp in the front country and then just do kind of day adventures with the kids. We did that and it was mostly, when I got there, I realized it was mostly going to be like sea kayaking because that's like, there's a lot of water around Hong Kong. And so we did a lot of sea kayaking, which was something I hadn't done very much of, before so i was like this is cool i get to gain new skills for you know for the the toolkit and yeah but then we also did rock climbing we did some ropes course things uh, gorge trekking um, through these little like gorges with rivers running through it and waterfalls uh, it was really cool definitely a crazy experience living in hong kong But it was cool to see like all of the more wilderness areas of a place that gets a stereotype of being like just a city. But there's a lot of really protected wilderness areas in Hong Kong, which I didn't know of until I got there.
1: Did you see any maybe animals that you haven't while you're out there?
0: Some wild boars. They just like roam around the island (laughs) and just like do their thing. These Spiders called golden orbs are literally the size of your hand, maybe oh, they're bigger. Huge. They're so big. Yeah, Google a picture of, of one after this, but
1: they're terrifying. <laughs> or <don't>. And they,
0: <laughs> yeah, we're don't if you don't want to have nightmares. Um, but yeah, they actually like really conveniently like to build their webs like right over the trail or beside the trail, so. Um, I guess it's a cool way for you to view them, but also a cool way for you to accidentally (laughs) run into a web and get a spider stuck on your face. (laughs) Um, Did you ever
1: see that happen to somebody? Oh my gosh.
0: I, I never saw it happen, but this guy that was living, we lived in this building that had like three levels and it was all people that worked for the company. And he lived on the level below me where like some other guys lived. he, like got home one night and was like super rattled, and we we're like, "Dude, like, are you okay?" And um, he was like, "Oh my gosh! Like, I was walking through the jungle and I had a golden orb spider like stuck in my beard, and he didn't realize it for like a little bit of time. Like, he had this spider like chilling in his beard. He had he had a like good thick beard, and um, you once he realized to, to have one of these yeah, <laughs> to not notice this like really big spider so yeah he once he noticed it was on his beard he was like like obviously swatting it off running on this path through the jungle all the way back to our house and like was just super rattled Then he like got back and just shaved his whole face because he was so freaked out (laughs) but thankfully it never happened to me but like that story is just just funny (laughs) poor guy he's fine but
1: (laughs) that's kind of traumatic (laughs) <laughs> poor guy his beard still in Hong Kong
0: right <laughs> uh but yeah nothing too crazy some snakes here and there that would slither across the trail yeah wild dogs
1: <laughs> yeah I don't need to get into the snake stories tonight <laughs> <Not> <laughs> thankfully my favorite, we never
0: though. had any snakes in our house so that's, that's okay I'm cool with them as long as they don't invade my space yeah
1: you live yeah. there I live here Let's not right. visit.
0: I respect you you respect me we got this <laughs>
1: yeah so tell me uh something from because you played soccer at Colorado State tell me other than obviously the physicality um and the athleticism tell me something that you got from soccer that you use when you're guiding or you know, sort of in these situations while you're traveling and doing seasonal work?
0: Yeah, besides like learning how to work really hard and just absolutely grind, um, the biggest thing I learned from playing soccer at Colorado State was how to be humble. I actually played soccer at a school before Colorado State. It was a small private um, school, D3 in Iowa. Got recruited to play there initially and because it was, you know, D three is such a small, it's a small conference, small school. I was really successful, you know, scored a lot of goals, got a lot of uh, like achievements and awards from being at that school. Then when I transferred, I, you know, got thrown into Division one, and it was a lot. It was a huge transition, and just a lot more fast paced. These girls were just, you know, that. More like better footwork and just faster, stronger. And it took a lot to try to keep up with them. And, you know, I I wasn't a starter, I didn't score tons of goals. And I had to be okay with that. And I needed to learn how to be humble and to just inquire about how I could get better and how I could grow. And yeah, when I'm guiding, I think that is such a good skill to have, to be humble. Because I, going into, you know, Pali, Wilderness Adventures, Asia Pacific Adventure, all these things, things that I were kind of nervous going into, I don't know, kind of felt qualified. But for the most part, there was a lot of things I didn't know. And so I needed to like really humble myself and be like, okay, I... I really, I don't know how to do this. Like, can you help me? And, you know, it's, it's definitely still an ongoing thing. It's, it's sometimes hard to admit that you don't know things. And I wanted to go into these jobs seeming capable, capable and knowledgeable already, which, you know, I, I was to an extent, but yeah, there was a lot that I didn't know and a lot that I had to learn. And So yeah, that's probably my biggest takeaway and I'm still trying to work on that and just be humble and learn as much as I can and and be okay with not knowing and um, knowing that asking questions and not knowing everything is okay. It just makes you human.
1: Yeah, I think that's a lesson that you just keep learning forever.
0: (laughs) Oh, for sure.
1: So if you could pick any seasonal job that you sort of come into contact with, that that you you would want? Which one would you have?
0: Like want forever for the rest of my life?
1: No, or what's, what's the what's the coolest guy in town? Like who's which which person has the coolest job that you've seen that you might want to do for a season or longer? I don't know. I always
0: I think I'll always think that guiding and and being a trip trip leader is. The best job you could ever have. I don't so you know. If there's, maybe.
1: You've reached the pinnacle. I don't know. In
0: some ways, it doesn't feel like it because I, I don't feel like I want to just settle. I always want to try to find the next thing or maybe it's a different company or guiding in a different place or maybe even guiding for a different like group of people like i've worked with kids for the past few years maybe i could try guiding like leading adults and seeing how that goes but i think that whenever i would guide in the summers i just felt like that's where i belonged i was like this is absolutely cool i couldn't be living my life to the fullest any more than in these moments in this summer, in this, in this day, being paid to be outside to do adventures to hopefully have some sort of impact on another human. I was like, that's what I want life to be all about. So I don't know.
1: Yeah. I think that's a, that's a great way of looking at it. You've done, you've done a, a type of the job that you love doing and think is the best coolest one to have and so you just kind of keep keep looking for that or keep looking for something similar as you move up or move around
0: yeah exactly and i don't know i'm I'm constantly thinking about what i want to do and i'm not necessarily pressured to try to find a career and make a five-year plan i've never really been a five-year plan kind of gal i'm always like ask me in five years kind of thing But yeah, I think for the most part to me, it's just there's like three things that I've discovered that are really important to me. And as long as I can have all three of those things, then I'm going to be pretty content with where I am and what I'm doing. And one of those is they all start with P very conveniently the three Ps people, place, and purpose. So I want to be surrounded by an awesome community of people. Whether it's whether I'm like working with them or just like living in an area where they are and I can do awesome things with them. Place, I want to live in a cool place where I have access to do the things I love in the outdoors, and which is usually the mountains. <laughs> um, and then purpose, I always want to find purpose in what I'm doing, whether that's through my job or through other things, volunteer opportunities and things like that. So yeah, that's something that I've learned the past few years. It's it's not necessarily about having a certain job, having a certain career. It's just about having those three things and and like being okay with with where you are and being content and like being able to live in the moment. And it's taken a while for me to get to this place and to separate myself from kind of society and and what society is telling me and and I don't know it feels good and it's honestly exciting that I don't know what's next cuz there's so much out there so i'm excited
1: <laughs> well bethany what advice would you give to someone interested in or just starting out in the seasonal lifestyle or you know sort of outdoor jobs i have A lot of people that have reached out to me on
0: Instagram and have seen and followed my adventures along the years and reach out to me and they're like, what you do seems so cool. How do I do it? And so I have just basically told them places I've worked. I think starting out in, I mean, it's sometimes hard to start out because there are so many jobs out there. And a lot of jobs, some jobs like require previous experience, but you really just have to put yourself out there and take the shotgun approach and you have to be okay with applying for 50 jobs. And there is going to be a job out there that will take you as you are with no experience, but with the will to do that job and to, to want to pursue a, a career in the outdoors. And I think, yeah, depending on like what path they want to take, that could look different. Summer camps are a really good place to start, outdoor education camps, because the staff come and go pretty quickly. Um, and so they're always, they're always needing more people. But yeah, and to just not care what society thinks, to just go for it. And that any job, any job is a real job. (laughs) People are like, when are you going to get a real job? All the jobs I've done are real jobs. They're legit and they're awesome.
1: (laughs) And they pay you to do awesome stuff. Exactly. Well, Bethany, thank you so much for coming on to talk to me and connecting. And I'm excited to hear about all the adventures you have coming up.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much, Joey, for... Letting me come on the podcast and share my story with the world. You're awesome. Yeah,
1: yeah. That's it. That's the episode. The seasonals are Kelly Mogg, Ryan Deininger, me, Joey Ravinsky, the theme song by Ryan Deininger, Joe Williams, Louis Leva, Shappy, Thomas Hamilton. Follow us on Instagram at the seasonals underscore. Like us on Facebook. Listen to our next episode. That's it. We're out.